Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... This episode of the Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Artwalks, kids' shoes based on kids' books. They launched their first line of shoes with six designs by three artists, John Clausen, Scott C., and Joey Chu. Get your own pair along with other great baby shower gifts by supporting them on Kickstarter. To check out their campaign, click on the link in the show notes for this episode at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast, or scroll down to find the link in the show notes displaying on the app you're listening to right now. Support also comes from the Highlights Foundation. The Highlights Foundation is excited to be hosting an important event this June 14 to 16, Building Cultural Competency in Today's Children's Publishing Industry, a working symposium. They've put together a stellar faculty of changemakers to guide you, including Edith Campbell, librarian and social justice advocate, Dr. Debbie Reese, educator and author, Renee Watson, author, educator, and activist, Paula Yu, author and TV writer-producer, Dr. Laura Jimenez, educator and reviewer, and Dr. Marisala Jimenez-Garcia, author and educator. Space is limited, so be sure to register for this exciting workshop symposium today. Visit highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. That's highlightsfoundation.org slash programs. I had a dog named Greta Garbo. And while I was in my, um, yeah, while I was in my um, PhD or my master's program in Boston, Greta um, got a mass. And so I flew home so that we could put her down. And that day, you know, my family, my sisters and my mom, they just, it was just the crying, the tears. So I'm trying to like sign paperwork and get things done. And the guy comes out with this hideous puppy. And he was like, I know this is really not the best thing to do, but, you know, technically y'all don't have a dog anymore. So would you like this puppy? Otherwise, we're going to have to put her down. And so, you know, she was truly hideous. And I said, put her in the car. And... Today we're talking about a book that I think has a profound presence in children's literature. Today we're talking about a phrase that's evocative of power and oppression, but also of support and care. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 503. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Brianna J. McDaniel, author of Hands Up, 
This new picture book reframes the emotionally charged phrase by following a child throughout her mourning, her family time, and her time in the community. There is intergenerational support throughout Hands Up. And as I've been reading it aloud to children, I am so in awe of how their eyes light up with each page turn, basking in the beautiful illustrations created by Shane W. Evans. Today, I'm feeling so, so grateful, not only because I get to share this book and this conversation with you, but also because this book is out in the world, perhaps already being loved in your home or your classroom or your library. Please welcome my guest, Brianna J. McDaniel, author of Hands Up. I am Brianna McDaniel, Brianna J. McDaniel, I suppose. Um, I am, oh, she, her, and hers are my pronouns, and um, I am the author of Hands Up. This is your debut, is it not? Yeah, this is my debut. Congratulations! This is a big deal. Thank you. How many years? I'm going to go all around. This is sort of the way things always happen. But, Brianna, how many years in the making was Hands Up? Do you remember when you first sort of got that idea to write this book? I do. Um, So I I wrote... So I was in um, Winston-Salem... Um, North Carolina and I was working in a university there and um, Michael Brown had just been killed and um, I I needed to do something with the, mm, the fear and the anger and the pain and the you know I, there was a lot of communal grief that I was I was trying to um facilitate because I worked in residence life and students were responding at the university to what was going on in Ferguson. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do personally. So I sat down and I wrote out, um, experiences that I had heard and that I had had with, um, with different places and different people. Um, I, I was an activist. I mean, I guess I still do activate, but I used to go to protests often, um, a lot, a lot around housing security for people in Atlanta. And, um, so I was responding to what was going on with my story, uh, my stories and the stories of other people. So that was 2014 that I first started writing. Mm-hmm. What I love so much about, well, really the intersection of what story you just shared and what ultimately is your picture book is that it it feels like it has that awareness of, of, of the inspiration. And yet I love the power you have in the way you take that phrase. Because when I saw that cover, hands up, even with this bright, beautiful yellow uh, splash of background that Shane W. Evans did for the illustration mm-hmm. with a smiling girl, eyes closed in elation, just like hands in the air, mm-hmm. knees bent up. Still, my brain went, oh, hands up. I think of something when I hear that phrase. Um, and I just sort of 
I don't know if it was I've, the whole time that we've been leading into this interview. I just keep thinking, how how am I going to address the 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 mixed feelings that I came at this book with and what mm-hmm. it means to have these mixed feelings? Because then I immediately think of my students. And quite honestly, Brianna, when I hear that phrase, hands up, and I read your picture book, I got to say that this like pessimist apparently in me was just waiting for you to show <laughs> like an encounter with the police mm-hmm. waiting for the that sunshine to disappear. I don't know why that's where my brain went and I found myself being really I was going to say being slapped on the cheek. That doesn't sound nearly as nice though. In a, in a really warm loving way, <coughs> I just found myself being reminded that there's so much more in that phrase hands up. There's so much more there. There's so much that we can take back. Why don't you, if you don't mind, would you mind sharing a little bit about what what readers will find in this story? Sure. So, I mean, it's just, you know, when you were saying you were waiting kind of for that fall, some of the first iterations of the book did have that fall um, because I think it's impossible to divorce um, the implications of that phrase Um, from how it has been a call to action. And so the hope was that with this book, it's not, it's not um, a divorcing from the call to action. um, But it's a, it's an opportunity to talk directly to, you know, some, some important people who have not really been talked to directly um, with all of the movements that are happening right now. And that is that age group that the book is, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know the, the, about audiences, but you know, the the four to eight year olds that the book as a picture book is, I guess, targeted to. And so, when people look in the book alongside these um, kind of the, these um, the implications and connotations of it that are in conversation with each other, they're going to find intergenerational solidarity. You know, the one thing that we wanted to make sure was there was that as the little girl's name is Viv. So she does have a name. Her name is Vivian, Viv um, for short. And we wanted to emphasize that community is incredibly important. And, you know, when you think about my, you know, our communities, my community, black community, my world when I was growing up was you know, my grandmother and her friends, my aunts, my uncles, people who were, um, you know, not in the same generation as me, but were taking the time to teach me. Like one of the grossest, but also most awesome things that has ever happened to me is when my uncle, you know, came over with a cooler full of fish that my grandmother was going to fry up. And he said, come on outside and I'll teach you how to scale fish. And I was like, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no. But I went outside um, and, you know, I did what I had to do. You know, I got to eat. Yeah. um, But, of course, a part of of that process was was us having conversation. Um, So I figured, I was trying to figure out how to, how to do that. And you see it with Viv and her grandmother and Viv with her parents and Viv with her coach. Um, And then you're also going to see um, collective 
collective, um, like building a collective economy in our communities, I think is very important. So that community garden at the at, towards the end of the book is one of my favorite uh, spreads in the whole book. Not just because the flowers, you know, I sunflowers and those are my favorites, <laughs> and daisies, which are also favorites of mine. Um, but because you really see a community coming together um, and doing work to, you know, find space to share with each other and to give back to each other. And I just feel like love is like that, you know, just kind of this pot that you give into and people take out when they need it. And community, I mean, community gardens are that, you know, they're those those spaces where love um, and building together, you know, and also building resources within the community, um, sustainable, renewable resources. So, and then um, of course, at the very end of the book, you'll see protests. You'll see the protests, yeah. And then it actually really beautifully, I think, pairs into your your author note and the author and, and artist note at the end as well, um, which I found just perhaps some of the most meaningful author notes that I've ever come across. Often it's a it's a note about additional research or or inspiration or what have you, but just to have the line do you mind if i read to you a little bit is that okay oh yes you wrote (laughs) i'm gonna read your story too but i love just to to (laughs) position the 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 story here through this note that it says for many people the phrase hands up brings forward difficult emotions like anger sadness frustration and fear with this story i wanted to emphasize the ways i've experienced that phrase as part of my everyday life Mm -hmm. at home at play in church and at protests with young people leading the way. I want the world to remember that black kids are just that, kids. People Mm. with mamas and daddies and teachers and friends with lives full of happiness and struggle and triumph and even sadness. And then, Mm. I'm going to save this for those that are reading your book, but you do the greatest move, which is that you then address who the real audience is and you just say, kids, and you speak Mm -hmm. right to them. And that is always my favorite. Let me read (laughs) from the beginning because... The tenderness in this book, the um, the way that I was reminded that when you have hands up, at least in all of these um, examples that you show us, you're never really quite alone with your hands mm. up. It's helping someone else, getting help from someone else. It's um, exerting your independence, but also that's also in the context of your relation to others. It's just this wonderful relational phrase that I really was drawn to. You write, greet the sun, bold and bright, tiny hands up. Peekaboo, hands up. (laughs) Morning, baby. Time to get dressed, hands up. I'll just do one more because otherwise I will read you your entire book. (laughs) Um, Stretch high, almost there, hands up. Gotta get clean, reach for the sink, hands up. We go just from... You know, you mentioned about maybe the target age being whatever a target age is for a picture book, which is to say it's really everybody. Right. But, but around four to eight really is where Viv starts in this book. Mm-hmm. And we grow with her, which is why I was just nodding that, well, no wonder the book also works so well for my fifth graders, because they're seeing themselves grow and then land where where Viv lands. 
mm-hmm. um, that that as we grow, we're always exerting our independence. So I chose to stop on that page where, uh, for for the sake of the listeners, that the page where I stopped was was her reaching up to get a glass of orange juice and it spills, and so she's getting the washcloth at the sink to to wet the washcloth to clean it up herself. It's those first glimpses of independence. We were talking before recording about how I have a four-year-old or a near four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And boy, if she doesn't want to <laughs> do everything herself or just tell me that it is my job to do it for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Daddy, you need to clean up the chickpeas off the floor. <laughs> or she just goes and takes whatever <laughs> whatever washcloth or whatever she wants to use and just goes and you know spreads whatever around herself. Um, but those glimpses of of wanting to exert your independence for your your domain, your environment, and how then you follow Viv up to what it looks like to do that among community and to do it um, independent of your parents, but with all of the knowledge that your parents and grandparents and neighbor and neighbors and community have have instilled in you. I just thought that natural progression that was just that was. Just perfect right there Brianna it was just right on with that and you and Shane together to pull that off so beautifully was just another one of the things that I was so drawn to in this book oh thank you so much yeah I think I I definitely wanted to show this little girl carving out space for herself and um showing her her agency um Showing that, yes, yeah, sometimes, you know, some of the most effective ways we can move forward is to do it um, with help. And so it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to receive help. Um, but it's also okay to, you know, kind of extend yourself out there and try things yourself. And, um, and you know, the thing is, throughout the book, too, like, Viv, like everything's not perfect. It's not going exactly the way she thought it was going to go in some some cases, but there's this resilience in her. Um, there's this movement back to getting back up. Um, and there's also this idea that she can be a leader. She can be um, she can be at the the forefront. I really love that um, some so, the way the signs work at the end was that I chose some of what the signs would say, or I got to, you know, you know, present some information about what I wanted some of the signs to say. Shout out to Dr. Chris Rhodes, who gave us No Human is Illegal, the spelling and the words, um, the translation. She is just incredible. It was her idea and we were able to bring it in. Um, but it was Shane who decided to have Viv um, with the sign that says lift every voice. And I was like, yeah, of course, the, you know, the child will lead us and she will emphasize that every voice that's present should be heard and is, is important. So support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Support also comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. 
I've featured their book several times on the podcast and through blog posts, but now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit baratbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the code READINGISRAD. That's baratbabies.com, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S.com. Offer code READINGISRAD. There's this really cool design work that Shane does as well. And I don't know, well, maybe you could just tell me briefly how much, how much of this manuscript, when, when it was finalized, had art notes or had space for the illustrator. What, with text that is as sparse as you have it, did you find it or did you and your editor find it necessary to make those, those art notes? Oh, art notes. So I, so this is my debut picture book, right? <laughs> Does that mean it started off nothing but art notes? Because <laughs> that's how that's how my manuscripts look. <laughs> and, and also, um, I study. So I study children's literature, and um, some of the best courses in children's literature that I've ever taken were taught by Megan um, Lambert at Simmons. And um, she taught about the picture book. So in my mind, what I'm writing is the perfect technical picture book. <laughs> and, I love that. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for being honest. <laughs> and my editor was like, nope, it's not, that's not what we did here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, and so as I'm writing, I, it, it's, it's hard for me not to think about um because also i i wrote this story in a moment a moment that will be impossible to replicate because the way that i was feeling um the emotions that existed there even though they have kind of you know existed in response to other things that happened as well yes i i can't re- i can't replicate that so but there are places in the story like that I pull from my from directly from my experience. My cousin Jalisa played basketball. We go to her games, and so, you know, I was pulling on that that um, that jubilation when Viv, you know, made that shot, that got shot, the trophy, yeah. hold the trophy, championship. You know, we got it, baby. Yeah, let's go. You know, um, church, which is you know a big part of my um, life growing up. Um, and then the library, these were all haven spaces for me in different ways as I was growing up, rec centers, libraries, and the church. And so it was hard not to imagine these spaces and then kind of wanting to write a little something about these spaces with some kind of lean toward a note for what they should look like. Brianna, um, I've never heard someone say that phrase Haven spaces. I love that. I I wrote that down because just saying the phrase is so evocative of, of those feelings. I'm so glad that you took not just moments of your life unique to you, but moments of the important people in your life. You, you really threaded, or I guess the word would be you wove all of your, (laughs) all of your uh, friends, family into this. It sounds like I love that. 
Yeah, this is a this is a family affair. <laughs> you know, you took me. Oh, this is the interesting way to word it. I guess the way the words came to my my head is you took us to church for this yeah. one phrase, and I was like, oh, that means something different. But I love yeah. it. I'm gonna go with it. Yeah. When you take us to church on that page, I love that you stretch out those words. The music flows through us amazing great and they're like i can't even even now like i can't i'm gonna sing it oh i mean i could sing it but i would much rather hear you do it because that is okay. a treat okay so i'm gonna try you know i'm getting over bronchitis so i'm sorry for all the coughing but i'll leave it a little the music flows through us amazing grace in praise and worship, hands up. So that's that's how I thought it. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I hear it that like... way. Ooh, I hear it that way. And those words are so deeply rooted in me that mm. I'm telling you, even as I'm reading this in front of in front of multiple classes, I can't help but sing those words. It feels like it feels like the song, the melody is a common language for us. And that's a unique thing for me to experience. I know that I know how hard I work to make sure my students see themselves in books and to connect with them and to be genuine with them. But that was a, um, that was like a, that was a, a, I don't know that I would say a vulnerable moment, but that was a revealing moment to me. I didn't realize that was going to come out of me as I read this book to them. And that I think was a, a, a vulnerable or, or, or honest moment with them. But I got to say, this is where I, exactly where I was going to lead earlier um, when I was talking about the design of the book, Shane, mm -hmm. Shane has, so you got this really just a Shane's not here to, not that he was need, needing to defend himself, but he can listen and hear the praise we pour on him later. You got <laughs> looking at this cover. Mm -hmm. and this is going to be hard for people that don't have the book in front of them, but get the book in front of you people. You got this beautiful <laughs> cover with this, with Viv. We learn her name is Viv hands in the air, knees back. As we said, in the air, we don't see the ground. Bright blue words say, hands up, exclamation point. When you open that book all the way up, though, when you look at that full spread, what you realize is the back of the book, which the art works as a really good end of the book. You have the hands in the air with the rays yeah. of sunshine that say, as one, we say hands up. But Brianna, you open that book up and look at that and realize that's all one piece of art. How beautiful does that work that Viv starts out with her parents, with her own independence, but in the end, she is in the air and there are hands lifting her up and celebrating her. And those hands are the very hands from that church. Mm -hmm. How much like life is that church community or how much like church is life's community? That give and take, that to me was something that, Again, I know it's tapping into the way I was raised, the way mm -hmm. the way that relationship and that community played a role in my life. But that to me, that to me felt something felt like something really special. It felt like a real special like Easter egg in there for me. Yeah, I mean, Shane, it's hard for me to comprehend the brilliance of, of Shane because whatever little you know, ideas I might have had, what Shane was able to accomplish with the cohesiveness of, of, of this book, 
and how he brought together all of these different textures that. and these, you know, the way that yes. the hands exist and uh, the way that the hair exists and the way the the cat that you know is <laughs> is is jumping around and he's got his hands up you know i there's no way that i could have ever imagined that this book would exist with these these types of um of nods to people and their different experiences in such a in such a inclusive and um like loving way it's such a beautiful book that art looks so (coughs) different it looks so different from other stuff that's out there and like you're saying the texture whether it's the the brush stroke that we're seeing or if it was digitally rendered i gotta say we are talking after the school day so my eyes are tired and i can't read the small print of whatever the note is but i know that when i look at this art when i look really close at this art the outline feels like marker and whenever i make a note uh whenever my eyes notice something like that i just immediately think my students have these tools in their hands right now to see art to make a connection with art and then to know like right there in your hand you could make that art you could replicate something like this feels like a gift back to them Mm. not only to give them that gift of let's Let's take back that phrase and remember all the glorious ways that hands up has actually helped it help to lift you up. And let's remember the way that that can lift us up, but also that you can make this art or you can, can, can make art like Shane is making. That just feels so good. It feels so inclusive, I guess. Yeah. I think that, when I have admired Shane's work for such a long time, and so it really was a dream come true. <sighs> like I don't know, I I just can just say that it was it was a dream come true. Because <laughs> I had a dream, yeah. and the dream was that I would one day work with Shane. And like who, who like whose life is this? Who gets that? You, know what I mean? you study children's books. I feel like the pressure <laughs> is on. You study picture. I think all the time, like, I spend my life in children's books. When I sell a picture book, like, this might be extremely nerve-wracking <laughs> until you find out when the person is. Did you have, were you able to, I'm jumping, I'm sorry, I've got like a flood of questions all of a sudden. But did, did you have, did, were you were you given the opportunity to give input of like, well, I kind of picture these five different artists might be the feel I'm, I'm I'm feeling like did you have anything like that at all because often you you don't yeah yeah I, I know I just listen I just I have to say that I'm just so grateful that I had the introduction into this industry that I did you know um I feel you know over the moon I'm super blessed that I got to work with one of my good friends who was my editor, Dana, um, on this project. And she, um, she did, she gave me the opportunity to say, you know, these are some of the people that I was thinking about. And actually that's not true. That's not true. I didn't say Shane was my number one pick. So she came to me and she said, um, have you had any thoughts about think you might be interested in having as the illustrator? Oh, and so I cool. said, 
I've I been said, thinking about it my whole life. <laughs> right. I, in fact, I didn't, you know, I didn't say that, but because, you know, because this is my dream. Yeah. I said, I said, who I, who was in my head? I said, I, I, this may be a long shot, Dana. I know, you know, I know how this sounds. This is my debut books, you know, so I get it. Um, but Shane Evans? And she said, I was thinking about Shane too. Oh, and I my thought word, that's amazing. Right? And so then she was like, all right, okay. So let's take this back and let's see what happens. And then the day that uh, Shane said yes, I was driving. I had just dropped my – it was graduation season. My cousin was graduating. I had just dropped him off um, at a graduation event, and I was driving and Dana called me, and she knows I'm a crier. Oh, man, I'm a crier. <laughs> and she said, where are you? And I said, um, I'm driving. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, no, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, I think you should pull over. And I was like, uh, okay. So then I pulled over, and she was like, so Shane said yes. <gasps> and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, Shane said yes. <laughs> it was just. I love like, that. Yeah. Oh my word, you have, what a beautiful, what a beautiful debut story. Yeah. That it doesn't happen that way, but, but yet it does. It does absolutely happen that way. How we wouldn't have so many beautiful picture books in this world if there wasn't some kind of magic working underneath it all. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you. When I see the collaborations that I do get to see, um, really being in this incredible field of children's literature as a scholar, I, I, you know, I am constantly thinking to myself, I cannot believe this is, this is like my thing. This is my job on a multiple, in multiple spaces. Yeah, this is what I get to do. Um, so, beautiful. yeah. So, Brenna, I'm looking at our time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm smiling at how fast it went, but I'm also a little <laughs> angry that it went so fast because I just <laughs> want to talk to you so much more. But I'm wondering in all that we covered being that this is your debut, being that you've got so much that went into this story, is there anything we didn't talk about or that I didn't ask that you want to make sure people listening get to hear? People of all types listen, um, from teachers to librarians to artists to children. So is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure people know about what went into making this book? I don't... I mm, I guess understanding that this this book was a, a learning experience and I think a listening experience and it was it was intentional and it was thoughtful. Um, yes, I'm part of the community that this book is um, highlighting, emphasizing these kids that I'm talking to. I'm a part of this community, but I. I me and Dana both were reading and talking to each other. The process of writing, you know, even the very few words that are in the book was, it was a long process. It was a long editing process and it, it had tears and it had laughter and it had some really somber, somber times. Um, but in the end, what we were able to capture was joy and, I, I don't I, I really I can't tell you how how the book was able to come together so so you know 
so cohesively except to say that Shane Evans is a genius. Um, but it did. And what we, the very first time I saw the cover of the book and I saw this girl, this little girl who was in my head and in my heart and in my sight, jumping up, hands raised, um, jumping up out at you um, from the book, it, I can't I can't tell you what that feeling was like. And um, it was all this. It all was a combination of all of all of us coming together. Me, Dana, Shane, Jasmine Ribeiro, um, the the book designer. And I'm just so grateful. Always grateful. I'm grateful, too. I'm grateful that. As ever, our jobs are to give children hope and to affirm the light that they are in the world. I'm so mm-hmm. grateful that that you found, and you and your team, but that you found this beautiful expression of how to take that hate and acknowledge it and then overpower it with love and with with mm-hmm. hope and, and, and just with this this beauty that, that is the readers that will read this book. Um I just I can't I'm wow. clearly I can't I can't articulate it. I just I was so taken aback by your story, Brianna. And and to have the privilege to talk to you about it was it it was it was wonderful. So thank you so, so much. And good luck on all the books that I know you'll be working on in the future and all of the amazing artists that may or may not be Shane Evans in the future. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I wish you a long and fruitful career with just many, many readers and their joy reflected back on their faces to you. Oh my goodness. What a gorgeous, Oh, that was Oh, I'm a crier. I told you. you. I can't. I can't come at you with this conversation without bringing the 650 children I work with every day. I just can't. There's no way for me to deny how much I saw them in this book. And that, well, here we should do it this way. I'm going to give you the last word on on our conversation, but we will bring it back to those children. So let's let's end this way. I'll I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Brianna, is there a message I can bring to them from you? Can you tell them, please, that I see them, that I see their dreams, I see their love, I see their smile, I see their tears, um, and that other people see them, too. They're not invisible, they're important, um, and that... When they look at this book, I hope they see, you know, their community. I hope they see the people who can, who do love them, that can help them, that will be there for them, and that they see their ability to be leaders as well. So, I hope that was, yeah, yeah. Hi there, this is Haley Barrett, author of Baby Moon, What Miss Mitchell Saw, and Girl vs. Squirrel. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. 
you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.